Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This is RS1. Is RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Hello everybody and welcome along to our live coverage of the 24-hour series by Creventic, the Hancock 24-hour series. Good to have your company. We're at the Circuit de Catalunya, Barcelona. It's a fantastic day. Uh, and this uh, is the free practice session. You're missing nothing at Silverstone. Uh, barrier repairs at store. Uh, the the uh, Carlin car in the ELMS uh, went in there. Driver, uh, OK, uh, uh, what's Manchester's first name, Paul? Um, the Carlin John. John Manchester. Is it John Manchester? I always think of him as Gibson Engines, which is why I always get confused. Oh. You say, yeah, you've done the same things, mate. Anyway, um, you're missing nothing from uh, Martin Haven and the rest of the crew uh, over there on RS3 at the moment. We'll keep you involved and informed with that. This is our only session that's in audio only. Everything from now on, uh, we have sound and vision. Uh, check radio-show.co.uk for that. It's Paul Trustwell, Andrew Marriott, Shea Adam and me, John Hindoff, in the sunshine of Barcelona and we're live on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Coke 24 hours of Barcelona on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Uh, let's head straight down into a very sunshiny pit lane where Andrew Marriott is at Scuderia Praha. Good afternoon as it is here. Just approaching one o'clock to pit lane, Andy. How are you doing this morning, Andrew? Absolutely, John. It's uh, pretty hot down here, actually, and I've even got my shorts on. Now, if I was at Silverstone in the pit lane, of course, I'd be in a three-layer race suit. <laughs> one time. I much prefer to be here and in shorts. I am, as you say, in the Scuderia Praha pit with their Ferrari without any wheels on and not looking as if it's going to go out for a few minutes at least. No drivers in the area at the moment. Now, remember, this car is on a five-race winning streak in the European series. They've been be beaten in the Continental Championship. Of course, at Dubai, they were only third this year. And in uh, America, they were beaten, weren't they, uh, at the end of last season. But as far as Europe's concerned, they're on a five-race winning streak going back to the last race of the season, of last season. And the race they were beaten at last time was here at Barcelona. Uh, because it wasn't the final race of the season. So a five-race winning streak for the Czech team from Prague. They've got two Ferraris here. They've got a spare car, they've got a spare car rather, at the back of the garage. But uh, two cars here, and they will be undoubtedly one of the teams to beat. Now, just a bit of an upgrade. I'm not sure if you spotted this, but the Danish Homeguard brothers had no engine in their uh, car this morning. But they do have one now, and that's uh, certainly good news for the driver who's come furthest to this race. It's Rowan Shepard, uh, racing in Europe for the very first time. Um, got a lot of experience in single-seaters over there. Rowan, together with his brother, has won the 
Formula First Championship that they still have out in New Zealand. So he's relieved that they've got the engine in that car. They're just finishing off the last bit of bolting up uh, the, or plugging in the last few wires, basically. So we will see that car. That's the 102. Uh, and I believe Shay is down at the other end of the pits, and she's been checking on some of the cars that had problems uh, in the testing we had yesterday and this morning. Yes, indeed, I have, Andrew. Um, one of the ones that's been a concern for Paul Trustwell in the 991 class, we have the championship between two different cars. For the first time, Jean-Francois de Morges, Frederick Ansel, who are sharing the 911, are not driving with their teammate Lionel Amarouche so that means that the championship is going to be mostly for the 911 car they're going to be the ones to watch both cars are ready to go out though and indeed as the green flag has come out they will be taking to the racetrack but Andrew was talking about one Volkswagen that now has an engine there is another Volkswagen that now doesn't and that belongs to car 114 it is in the back of the garage for the team and the wolf power crew working to try and get the car out but of course this free practice means a lot less because they've already had three test sessions to get their feet underneath them the crew assures me the car will be ready for qualifying tattoo pit lane commentators down there under our foot well sort of off to our left and down below so as you can hear we have got engine noises buzzing away so paul truswell who's alongside me to my right lovely day here been plenty of running as uh, andrew and Shea have alluded quite a lot of running actually so much so that some teams have said actually it might have almost been too much and when was the last time you heard any team say that that they had too much free practice In, indeed four hour two four hour sessions were held yesterday uh, and then we had a further three hour session held this morning um it, it's one of those things it's um a bit of an income stream for Creventic, yep. um, can I put it that way, because you pay for the optional tests, you don't have to pay once you get into free practice, uh, or you do, but you pay as part of your general entry, entry fee. Yeah. Um, but for the optional tests, um, it's an opportunity to go out and get some, in effect, um, cheap testing, because uh, although you have to pay for it, it's not as much as it would be if you were hiring Circuit to Catalonia for good other point. reasons. Um, it's a good business opportunity for some of the teams, in fairness, because there's been some drivers out there who aren't actually competing this week. And, and some cars as well. Um, so, uh, that's right, we had uh, an extra KTM crossbow out uh, practice yesterday, and we've also had uh, a third car collection Audi out. Um, so, yes, there has been a lot of running, um, and now we get an hour of free practice. Um, however, it is important to do times now, because in terms of getting your drivers qualified, uh, it's only laps that you do now that count as laps, um, laps for qualifying the driver. You've got a night practice later on this evening. But it is important to make sure that everything is running okay with the car. So uh, one or two cars who have been uh, worked on um, at various points uh, we'll see coming out onto the circuit, I'm pretty sure, for this uh, one-hour session. And uh, as Andrew Marriott was saying, Scuderia Praha, very much the on-form team, the team to beat. Um, however, there is quite a lot of competition um, coming from unusual directions in some ways because... Mm. Uh, we've got Barwell Motorsport here with their Lamborghini Huracan. Uh, they are not regulars at Creventic, although who knows what might happen in 2020. Um, 
the car was at Mugello, came second to the Scuderia Praha Ferrari. Pushed them hard, actually, in, in fairness. And uh, yes, we were talking to Mark earlier on, he kind of admitted that, uh, uh, that uh, the uh, Scuderia Praha car did deserve to win. Um, but Barwell here with high hopes for this weekend's race. Uh, we've also got a... Um, a very strong Porsche, the GPX car, uh, which is being driven by Stuart Hall, Jordan Groger, Nicky Passarella. There's the, uh, the hot gun uh, drivers in that car, sharing Benjamin Goethe, uh, son of Raoul Goethe, uh, and Jean-Pierre Valentini, who I'm guessing will do a minimum of driving, actually drove less than two hours at the last 24-hour race at Portimao. Uh, that car coming second in uh, Portimao. Um, so GPX are here again, right down at the very far end of the pit lane in their beautifully golf-coloured car. Uh, we've also got the car collection Audi, car number 88, which is going to be very strong and stronger than you might have expected because Pierre Kaffer has been added to the driving strength uh, of that car. Uh, it was a little bit short on pro drivers, but uh, car collection then running as an AM-class car, but uh, certainly a strong AM-class car. Uh, and then the other um, unusual car for f um, as far as Creventic is concerned in terms of A6 Pro is another Porsche from Fricadelli Racing. Uh, now, if you've followed any of the VLN races or, or the Nürburgring 24 hours, you'll be no stranger to Fricadelli Racing uh, and their car, Klaus Abelin, sharing with Alex Muller, Felipe Fernandez Laza and Lance David Arnold is a hugely strong uh, driver lineup, uh, and I think the only concern there will be interesting to see what their view is when either Andrew or Shay talk to somebody from Fricadelli. But uh, the concern there is that the team are just not used to the Hankook tyres, but they have a very, very strong Porsche. And uh, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they get on. So, Fricadelli, certainly a team to watch out for with their Porsche. GPX, a team who can quite possibly oh, yeah. take the fight to Bohemia Energy. Uh, and of course, Barwell. Uh, at RSL underscore studio will get you to us here. Um, they'll also say that at Silverstone as well, but don't worry about <laughs> that because we're sort of cross-promoting and all talking together at the moment. Jack Manchester was the name that we couldn't uh, remember, and we'll give you an update on what's happening with that barrier repair at Stowe uh, in just a few moments' time. Let's head back to Andrew Marriott down in the pit lane, who's with CP Racing. Certainly am. I'm with Joe Foster here. What a tremendous season we'll be having in the AM category, of course, which you're leading, but in a big battle with the car collection for the, the title here. You know, we are in a points battle with them. We had a great points battle with them last year as well. Uh, they're one of the series regulars that we really enjoy racing with. It's a bunch of a great group of guys in the 34 car. Now, big news from your team because a late driver change. Just explain what happened first to Shane Lewis. Well, actually, uh, Shane, as you know, does some GT4 racing in the U.S. as well in the SRO series. And he, uh, he got injured in a testing accident at Road America and hurt his knee. He'll be fine. He could actually drive. He just can't get in and out of the car very quick right now. It helps. Yes, and so we need driver changes uh, to be quick here in Kravantic, especially this weekend compared to others, because the fuel stop is before versus after. Uh, and so it, the driver change is very critical here. And so uh, we uh, drafted in uh, our old friend Darren Law to, uh, to, to help us. And obviously he's a fantastic driver, but uh, now uh, is a full-time team manager at Flying Lizard in the U.S. But of course he's had some great wins. I mean, he's been an outright winner of the Daytona 24, the Thunderhill 25. I think he won it four years on a row. So uh, he should do a great job for you. No, he will. And uh, he and Charles Espenlob uh, worked together for many years at the Bondurant School as well. 
So that's how uh, they met each other originally. But I've been racing against him in the U.S. as well for years. So we're very glad to have him. We'll be watching you. Thanks very much, Joe. That's Joe Foster. Right at the start of the pits there at Pit Inn. That's maybe why it was breaking up a little bit, I think. Yeah, I could see you down there wandering uh, towards the number 88 Audi, which is pulling out the bright opal fruit yellow car, just pulling out onto the fast lane. Very broad pit apron here, and the pit lane itself, the acceleration or the, the run-through lane, as you like. It's rather like pulling up in an airport forecourt. You've got the through traffic, and then there's a, a dark red uh, band with the Circuit Catalunya Barcelona, Barcelona uh, logo on it, and that delineates then, uh, what, one, two, three, probably four car wide from the actual entrance to the pits, of which at least half of that is... East Tarmac, and then you've got a bit of concrete right in front of the pits themselves, so plenty of room. In comes the 29. Now, this I'm going to keep seeing is an Audi. Of course, it isn't. Uh, this is the very metallic blue and white uh, uh, um, Renault RS1, uh, which is with us this weekend. It looks stunning in those colours, Paul Trustwell. And uh, neither of us remembered to bring our binoculars, which is very annoying because we can see most of the track here. And I even got mine out and put them on the shelf. But as I forgot to bring my creds as well, although the lovely people, thanks Daphne and everyone else at uh, Crevendig, sorted us out the moment we walked into the track. But that, that is a really interesting entry and good to well, see the RSO1 back. Yeah, yes, absolutely. It's, it, it is uh, the RSO1 back, but a, a keep for sure uh, Dutch team, um, a returnee to the Creventic series after a long absence um, and to my knowledge they've not actually run an RSO1 in the Creventic series before um, previously been run by GP Extreme I've got a feeling that they ran an RSO1 in the RSO1 championship, I did a couple of rounds of yes. commentary on that, but not in a Creventic yes, race. so they um, have it, they've had it sitting around so, basically, uh, and they've certainly um, polished it up and a uh, very good looking car indeed um, this car of course has the um, I say extra large fuel tank, it's a perfectly homologated fuel tank, but it's got a bigger fuel tank than anybody else. Um, that won't do it any good once the race gets uh, going, uh, but at the start of the race it does mean that they get a little bit more running for their first tank full of fuel, because they'll have 150 litres aboard as opposed to everybody else who can only get a maximum of 120, 120 litres uh, if you're in an, uh, an, a GT3 car uh, or an A6 car to uh, give oh. it its proper title within yeah. preventive words. But Paul, they did actually finish second in that RSO1 championship in 2015 with this car, and then they won in 2016, and I think then the championship ended, didn't it? But yes, it did. That team are famous for winning Le Mans in the, with the Porsche Spider in LMP2 back in 2008. Remember the, the Van Merkestein brothers' car that Jos Verstappen was in? Uh, Franz Verschel and his team actually ran that car that uh, weekend. Was that the white and purple car? Yeah. Although That's not okay. under the not under the name of Equipe Fairchild, uh, uh, but no, it's no. the same personnel. And that car actually was racing just a couple of weeks ago. I saw it racing at Silverstone in the latest Masters Endurance Series. So it's right. it's having a second life. But as a team with with huge history, they've been racing for 38 years. This team from Holland. Um, uh, uh, Andrew, as you've done all the research and. Uh, uh, I've just sort of popped in to have dinner um, yeah. at, the, at the track. Was, did Nicky Pastorelli drive for them in that RSO1 series? Correct. Was, yes, Correct. I thought now, it was. Something interesting. You remember that GP Extreme are running those cars yeah. uh, a little bit last year and the year before. 
and they made them uh, put some sort of rear air dam basically Correct. Right, under the wing. And notice that this car hasn't got that. So, uh, ah. so uh, in th uh, I mean, they reckon that car was too fast. That's why they changed it. The, they did the spoiler on the back, um, it, which the organisers made them put on. But, it it but, will have to have um, the piece that holds the rear wing up. Um, there are two, effectively two stands upon which the rear wing uh, sits, and the gap between those two stands has to be covered. It's, uh, when it isn't? Uh, well, it says so in the regulations. Uh, so when uh, you come back up here, Andrew, I'll show you my little picture and yes, tell yeah. me whether it matches. Yes, you, need to get, you need to get the, no, the monkey seat out. Absolutely. They haven't got it on because I remember exactly what it was like with GP Extreme, and it does not have that piece on at the moment. But right, this okay. is a practice, isn't it? Uh, well, it is a free practice session. Yeah, so yeah, it's official now, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Uh, we've got a yellow flag on the circuit over at uh, turn four, which is the uh, Repsol turn, the long right-hander, um, which we can sort of see over in the distance. Um, can't actually see why the yellow flag might be out there, though, but uh, we do have an indication of that. Um, on the subject of cars and teams not quite being who they should be. Uh, can't see anybody off the track at Pro Sport Performance Team, car number one, uh, the Aston Martin, which uh, has Nico Verdonk, Rodrigue Guillon uh, driving it, uh, is also a little bit of a misnomer at the moment, because although it is a Pro Sport Performance entry, and as champions last year with uh, CP Motorsport, they carry the number one, they're actually being run by Team Virage. And again, if you were paying attention during the Portimao 24 hours, Team Virage were running another Aston Martin there. Um, and they're actually running that car this weekend, uh, kind of on behalf of Pro Sport Performance. Uh, and as a result of that, they get the two uh, Virage drivers, John Azpurura and Nicola Silva, uh, driving the car with them. That's the Aston Martin number one, which runs in the GT4 class. As far as cars that we have not yet seen out on the track, you guys were singing the praises of Frickadelli Racing a little bit earlier, talking about how it's their first weekend. Well, they still haven't gone out for an official session. There was a problem at the end of the last session that had to do with the oil pump in the back of the car. There are three mechanics laying underneath it as it is up on its hijacks. They do have Klaus Abelin, though, ready, helmeted, and pacing around a bit like a uh, puppy dog who's been told it's almost time for his walk. But there are still mechanics, still tools, and still oil cans beneath that car, so it might be a little bit longer before we see the Porsche go out on Hankooks, which, of course, is a new experience for them as well, as Klaus Abelin, no, now takes his helmet back off. So perhaps it's going to be a little bit longer of a repair for this team. We've got Cope 60, Shay, which is possibly why Klaus has uh, um, stepped down from being totally ready. Um, the issue which has caused the uh, problem at turn four is the 105 Audi RS3 out of the TCR class, kind of a 105 being GSR by Speed Factory. Uh, I think we'll probably call it the Speed Factory car, driven by five Lithuanians, which I'm not going to try and get my mouth around at the moment. Um, but anyway, one of those uh, Lithuanians has uh, gone off into the gravel at turn four uh, early on in the session, which is why we have this uh, code 60 uh, pretty early on. Um, it was Arunias Gajkauskas who uh, Good uh, for you. In the uh, number 105 car. I don't know if that was the correct pronunciation, but uh, it is a pronunciation. Um, 
John. Just, just to let you know, the WEC practice, free practice, has uh, now started uh, at Silverstone, so the barrier repairs uh, have been completed. That's over on RS3 uh, this weekend. There is a bit of crossover, so you'll have to do a bit of uh, choosing, but of course everything goes on the archive at www.radio-show.co.uk. Uh, and uh, you will be able to see as well as hear what we're doing uh, in sound and vision later on today. And in terms of the actual race, races, the ELMS race is on uh, Saturday at Silverstone starting at 2 o'clock. Yes, think, I think so. 2.30. Um, our race starts at 12 o'clock. So, yes, you do have to choose. But in terms of the WEC race, um, there's we're only about before, an hour's... Yeah, we've finished at, 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 pretty much before they start, aren't we? Uh, well, with... We finish at 12, they start at 12, but we've got an hour's time difference, ah, so yes, of course. Uh, there is an hour overlap. Um, so if, uh, if we're in a nail-biting finish, you'll have to miss the start of the Silverstone race. Um, Shay, you were in the middle, I think, of telling us who we haven't seen yet. Uh, we'll just wait for Shay to verify the mic, because it takes a second. Go ahead, Shay. I was actually just commenting on that one car, that uh, Frickadelli racing, because you guys have been ah. talking about it. We still haven't seen the Wolf. Uh, VW yet, and that TCR car is going to be coming out very, very soon. So, Paul, you don't have to wait too much longer. Jolly good. Well, Andrew's down in the uh, KTM team and the True Racing team, and I've just found Naomi Sheaf down here, who had a fantastic race here, Naomi, last year, but uh, I think you're more race engineering this weekend, aren't you? Uh, team manager, actually. So, I've, I'm, I've been working for Ryder for four years uh, while racing for them as well, and this time I'm sitting it out, and behind the other side of the fence. How do you feel about that? All good. I mean, um, I still have the luxury of being able to drive every now and again. So if I can make a little bit of business with pleasure, it makes me happy. Formula W, of course, you competed in that. Are you still hoping to do that again next season? I know you didn't have a great year in it, uh, not being used to single-seaters. Sure, absolutely. If I'm given the opportunity to come back next year, I, I will definitely jump on that opportunity. But did you learn a lot from it? Of course, absolutely. Every time you get on track, you learn something new, and um, the experience was really fantastic. Absolutely no complaints. Of course, the season didn't go according to plan, but I still enjoyed myself thoroughly. Very good. Naomi's got a fantastic CV. She won a championship in China when she was a teenager. You won a championship in China when you were a teenager, didn't you? Long time I was over there, yes. It's been a while. <laughs> so you just hear a tiny bit of that South African accent there for Naomi, but a great competitor. I, I was very disappointed she didn't have a better run in Formula W because uh, she was my sort of wild card to do really well, to be honest. I, I, can, I can smell favouritism coming in there from, uh, from our pit lane, Andy. <laughs> um, but uh, no, great character. I'll leave, him, I'll, uh, I'll leave him faded down. <laughs> um, uh, the other car that, uh, not the only other car, but another car of significance that we've uh, not seen out on the track yet, uh, has been the number 77 Barwell Motorsport Lamborghini. Um, uh, Shay was telling us about the Frickadelli car, the only other A6 uh, Pro car that we've not seen out, and in fact, A6 car overall uh, that we've not seen out is the Barwell Motorsport uh, uh, team. So. Um, Andy or Shay, uh, Bartwell are just about in the middle of the uh, pit lane, so uh, sort it out between you who goes to find out what's going on there. 
Went back to uh, green flag conditions meanwhile. Uh, let me tell you what times we've had thus far, because uh, we haven't told you that yet. Uh, Klaus Backler has uh, gone quickest in the Herbert Porsche. That's the 93 car. Uh, two Herbert Porsches here at Barcelona this weekend. And uh, it's the 93 car, which runs as an AM-class car. The 91 car is the Pro-class car. Um, but the A6 AM car has... Uh, two uh, very capable drive works it's got five capable drivers in it but klaus backler is the pro uh, the other four drivers are all am class drivers but experienced enough uh, and it's klaus backler who's gone quickest of all in the 93 one minute 48.936 second fastest is the other herbert porsche which has done a one minute 49.884 for that's just under a second slower then so it's a Herbert 1-2 and it was Sven Muller who did the time in uh, the number 91 car uh, driven this weekend Sven Muller sharing with Ralph Bone, Daniel Allerman as ever Robert Renauer this weekend uh, last year's race here in Barcelona uh, was a win for Herbert Motorsport, strangely enough, but that was Alfred Renauer who was driving it then. Um, at least we don't have to distinguish between the two of them because it's only Robert who's here this weekend. So Herbert 1 and 2. Uh, third fastest is the Renault RSO 1. It is a uh, quick car, we said it was. Uh, and that car number 29 has done a 1 minute 50. What, uh, sorry, 1 minute 51.701, and that was in the hands of Herbert Voss when the car did its time. So the Renault is third fastest. Fourth fastest is the GPX Porsche, which Benjamin Goethe has done the fastest laps in. In fact, he's done the only laps in it so far, 1 minute 52.6. Fifth fastest is the car collection Audi at 1 minute 52.8. That's the number 34 car collection Audi. Uh, the blue and white car has done a 1 minute 52.8 uh, and then Yuri Pasaric at the wheel of the number 11 Scuderia Paraha Ferrari 1 minute 52.861 so two Porsches at the top then the Renault another Porsche the Gulf car is fourth car collection Audi fifth and a Scuderia Paraha sixth and then seventh fastest is Kenneth Higher in the um, Hoffa racing Mercedes, pause there because all of a sudden on that last lap, Kenneth Higher actually puts in a much faster lap and goes second. 1 minute 49.435 then for Kenneth Higher uh, in the Hoffa racing Mercedes. That car had a big accident in one of the test sessions yesterday with Christian Frankenhout driving it. It'll be good if Andrew, Andrew Marriott can catch up with uh, Christian. Um, and talk us through exactly what happened. But in effect, uh, the car arrived at the first corner with no brakes and went straight on uh, through the gravel, hit the barriers and did quite a lot of damage to it. And the rest of the day yesterday was Hoffer Racing having to re repair that uh, Mercedes. But can it hire proves that it's going pretty well? 1.49.435, second fastest. Uh, Cher has an answer on Barwell. It's a day of firsts. I've just seen something that I've never seen before, John. There is a mechanic sitting facing back toward the back of the car in the driver's spot. They've removed the seat to try and get at something right behind the driver. They removed the firewall back to the engine as well. They've got pipes and an, a portable engine, a 
piece component. Very interesting. I've never seen anything. Is there that a looks leg like of Iberico ham involved at all there? Because no. I saw them carrying one around this morning. No, no, I think that's long gone from what the team said. Um, but I did ask Adrian Amstutz what was going on, and he said, oh, minor, minor teething issues. We're not terribly concerned because we've already had so much running this weekend that it's if you're going to miss a session, miss the free practice one. But the team going to work at it. None of their drivers are actually hanging out in the garage, though, so it's not going to be a quick fix. And this car not expected to get out during this practice. And another car in exactly the same boat, I think, as the 980 Porsche, the uh, car driven by the uh, German drivers Autumn Gilden and von Danwitz. Plus, uh, there's also a Brazilian in that car and a Finn. But anyway, at the moment, it's having its rear uh, brake discs or rotors, if you're American, changed. And also some work on the, the gearbox. But that car doesn't look as if it'll be going out in this session. But I'm going to pop down and see if I can find Christian Franklin help and find out about that uh, scary accident that he had yesterday. Yeah, the car just coming into the pits as you speak, Andrew. So uh, uh, if you want to know where Hoffer is, uh, they're just beyond where Barwell are. So uh, the car just coming into the pits. That's Kenneth Heyer uh, who is bringing the car in. Uh, and as I was saying just before uh, we had the update on the Barwell car, uh, that car has gone second fastest. So it's just under half a second slower than the Herbert Porsche, which is um, a 48.936. In the TCR division, uh, the fastest car there is an Audi. Uh, it's the 188 AC Motorsport car, uh, Vincent Rademacher. Uh, has done the fastest time in the TCE division at 1 minute 58.941. Second fastest in TCE is Antiburi in the car number 131, the top car entry, uh, top car with Baz Kooten. There are two uh, top car entries. One is uh, the top car and the other is top car, so that's going to keep us on our toes. Uh, 123 and 131, but it's... Uh, the car that Antiburi uh, is driving, that's the 131 car, which is second in the TCE division. And then third fastest in the TCE division is the uh, SP3 class uh, Munkhoff Racing BMW, uh, which is uh, all Dutch driven. Uh, Eric van der Munkhoff, Marco Poland, Ted van Fleet, Marco van Berlo, and Glenn van Berlo, the uh, five drivers of the Munkhoff racing car, but that's an SP3 class car, but running in the TCE division. As ever, Creventic uh, running two races in one, at twice your value for a 24-hour race at Creventic, uh, a race for TCE cars and a race for GT cars. The TCE division consisting of the TCR cars, the uh, SP3 class cars, and the A3 class cars, which are all uh, counted as TCE division cars. In the GT class, in addition to A6, we have 991s, Porsches, we have the SPX class, which are predominantly uh, KTM crossbows, but we also have the Mark cars, uh, uh, the Mark II cars. The Coupes, yes, lovely uh, things they are. Which uh, I am reminded, car number 717, the core always a racing Mark II V8, I think that's the only one. Um, Jim Briodi um, has a big banner in the back of the garage, and I'm sure Andrew will catch up with, or Shay will catch up with Jim at some point. 
uh, having his 99th 24 hour race here at Barcelona this weekend and uh, I'm sure he will uh, no, I don't say there's a big banner at the back of the uh, court always a racing team that car also being chaired by Ryan McLeod Ricky Cooper Ina Thorson and Court Oyser himself. Ryan McLeod, the man behind Mark Cars. Yes. In fact, yes. across from uh, a land down under. And Andrew has found Christian Frankenhut. I have, but just before I go to Christian, update on the Barwell Lamborghini. He's got a major fuel pressure problem. They're having to change fuel pumps and all sort of stuff. It's a big job. We won't see that car probably today. So Mark Lemmer's just told me that. But just going over to Christian now, who's in his shorts and uh, looking very relaxed and sending a text but I'm going to dive in Christian hi how are you doing uh, you had a big scare yesterday didn't you uh, a little bit yes <laughs> um, we changed brakes and uh, we forgot to pump the brakes so at the first corner I had nothing so yeah then I crashed but luckily the car is okay and the team did a great job uh, fixing the car and the car is running perfectly now again Good. Uh, you also did the Spa 24 hours. That was something new for you. How did you get on with Ram Racing then? Yeah, also really good. You know, uh, first time, first time for me on the Prellis. And, and okay, I know the Mercedes is very good, but uh, Prellis is still a different tire. Um, so a little bit getting, getting used to that. But furthermore, yeah, it was a great race. We we're second uh, in class, so yeah, we couldn't wish for anything more. Excellent. I'll catch up with you later. Nice to see Christian there, and pleased that he's, he's got no injuries or anything. But it was quite a big hit. Uh, and uh, one of a number of uh, incidents during the uh, multitude of free practice that was going on yesterday till quite late in the evening, uh, actually. And there was another couple of sessions, or at least one more session, this morning uh, as well. So as we mentioned earlier on, uh, very much value if you've come down here. There's plenty of opportunities for you to get out on the track. Paul Truswell and John Hindhoff in the, uh, the Eagle's Nest, looking down on the pit lane the front straight and and of course the fuel here as well which has been now I, I, I wasn't here last year but the last time I was here the fuel wasn't there you had to go off and around a little bit into the into the the back of the paddock area yes there's a um, if those of you are familiar with uh, Barcelona and if you're not we'll try and describe it anyway but there's a, there's a heliport just before where the pit buildings start um, but just to the right of the pit lane entrance uh, and you're absolutely right John in previous years the fueling has been put in the heliport itself and you've had to drive in there uh, and then back out again uh, this year is slightly different it's more like uh, a refueling area um, actually not that dissimilar from Zolder um, where uh, there are two separate lanes within the pit lane uh, where you have effectively a, uh, a gap in the wall as you come into the pits on your right uh, and if you go through the gap in the wall you go into the refueling area uh, and then you just feather back into the main pit lane um, speed limit during the pit area is 20 kilometers an hour the pit lane itself is 40 kilometers an hour uh, so the idea is that you then uh, can feed back in uh, to the normal pit lane but it does mean that it's a quicker uh, pit lane entrance uh, to get the fuel you spend less time driving around uh, the refueling area uh, and hopefully you'll be able to uh, see your way through to getting a clear pump the one area where that difference layout does make a difference and this could be important uh, is that apparently there's going to be no queuing uh, remember the days when uh, you used to have to queue for fuel um, 
there's going to be no queuing allowed because obviously if there is queuing allowed it just backs up the pit lane and could lead to a blockage in the pit lane which obviously they want to organizers want to avoid so if you come into the pit lane and all the pumps are taken you'll just be waved straight on and if you're running out of fuel that could be an issue for you but i'm sure they'll sort that uh, as in when it actually uh, actually happens eight pumps available uh, there are no diesel cars in the entry so it's all fuel uh, petrol uh, fuel gasoline uh, fuel supplied as ever by panta uh, here at Creventic meetings but uh, it does mean that let's say hopefully pit uh, will pit refueling will uh, be a little bit quicker than it has been in previous years well i'm down in fricadelli you know the famous team from vln who have the uh, meatball manufacturer uh, klaus abling who sponsors them and sabine schmitz of course very much involved with his team well they have got a major drive shaft problem they've got uh, no rear drive shafts on the car at the moment changing that so i'm quite sure why that's happened it's a bit unusual i would have thought uh, coming into a race like this suddenly to start changing the drive shafts but uh, can't find anybody to uh, speak to me in english at the moment but anyway that's why you're not seeing that car which is obviously going to be a front runner and uh, new to this championship that's not our problems with the drive shafts thank you andrew we'll keep uh, an eye on that one you're listening to radio show limited live from trackside as in comes the 24 teal blue and Etruscan orange Porsche very famous colors down there heading into the pit lane it's Andrew and Shea down in the pit lane in the sunshine wind blowing pretty much uh, straight from turn one so down the front straight the cars have been getting a little bit of help under braking there into turn one it's not a, it's not a huge breeze it's not it's, it, it's it's not as strong as it can blow no it do, uh, and when it does blow here it, it does can, blow doesn't it yeah it can get quite blowy but uh, if, if you've experienced blowy catalonia then that's not it at the moment it's very calm uh and as uh John was saying, uh, warm temperatures as well, uh, heading up toward the upper 20s, possibly into the th uh, low 30s by uh, the heat of the afternoon. Um, there was a hint of a threat of rain on my weather forecast, and there are some clouds up over the mountains in the distance, but hopefully they will uh, not dump anything on the circuit. Uh, Klaus Backler has gone even quicker in the Herbert Porsche. He's done a time now of 1 minute 48.489. Uh, he was the quickest, um, but he's just um, put down a time that was even quicker. Um, so 1 minute 48.489 is very nearly a second quicker than the Kenneth Higher time in the Hoffa Racing Mercedes, which Michael Kroll has now taken out. Uh, car collection Audi, number 88. I mentioned Pierre Caffer, the orange Audi. Um, very creventic colours, really. It's almost a red camel orange on the uh, Audi number 88. Pierre Caffer's done third fastest time now in 1 minute 49.545. Uh, so Caffer is third fastest. The Herbert Porsche, which Sven Wuller uh, did his time, is now relegated to fourth and Sven is back out in the car having had a fairly lengthy pit stop uh, his fastest time at 149715 uh, and then it's the number 11 Scuderia Praha Ferrari which Josef Kral uh, has set an improved time now uh, and Josef's best time 1 minute 50.024 that car just having come into the pit and heading down to be uh, further serviced by the team. 
Faster so, time from the SPX leader is the uh, KTM crossbow of Artur Quist, uh, kind of a 217, that's then a 155.259. That's the best of the non A6 class cars. Ben Chagota, you get to jump out of a Porsche. Your worlds are colliding this weekend. Been racing in Spanish F4. What's it like to drive around Catalonia in a car with a roof over your head? Yeah, I mean, it's different, obviously. Um, no, but it, I love it. It's one of my favorite tracks. It's uh, obviously much different to when I was driving in F4, but I mean, uh, I, still, I still really enjoy driving uh, the, the GT3 car. And I love this track also, so it's always uh, great to come here. Is this the same GPX Porsche that won at Spa a couple of weeks ago? Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think it's the same exact same car, but it's the same team, uh, same mechanics, same everything. Uh, might be a different car, but a, a, um, a duplicate. Does that give you any extra confidence, knowing that the team knows how to win a 24-hour race? Yeah, I mean, they, they did great the other weekend winning at Spa. I mean, I was there, unfortunately not driving, but I was there in the garage watching the whole time. Uh, it was a great race. I mean, the whole team did so well. The mechanics, uh, everyone in the team did a great job. So, yeah, gives a lot of confidence. Thanks for the chat and good luck this weekend, Benji. Sorry? Thanks for the chat and good luck. Thank you very much. Shit, Adam down in the pit lane. That car, as we mentioned, had... Uh, just come in. This is a free practice session, um, but it is part of the meeting as such, Paul, not a promoter test day, yeah. as our American friends would call it. In fact, the 24 cars must have gone all the way back round because it's now in the... That's very confusing because that's now in the fueling area right opposite us, and I've just seen that in the pit lane uh, five minutes ago. 24 minutes to go, just under in this session. Andrew has an update for us. I've got an update from the 105. This is the car driven by the Lithuanians who normally race in the Baltic TCR series and I think it's five of them all together have come together including one lady racer and that car has been off in the gravel as reported later uh, earlier on. It's now down here and well they've swept up enough gravel from the uh, underside of the engine bay to actually fill my drive, to be honest. And now they've got the vacuum cleaner out, but uh, it doesn't seem to be any real damage. It just scooped up an enormous amount of, uh, of gravel. But how wonderful to see these guys from Lithuania coming over here. It's their first ever 24-hour race. And it's such an international field here. We've got New Zealanders, we've got Australians, we've got Lithuanians. Uh, where else? We've got the Luxembourg duo team, of course. You've got the Kazakhstan oh, racing got, team as well. We have, yeah. Uh, it's so, so international. But at the core of it, of course, is a lot of French, uh, German and Dutch teams. I think, am I right, Paul? It's just three British teams uh, here this weekend. Uh, one of them is Barwell. Uh, one of them is Synchro. Yeah. And... And, well, Extreme, you know, it's... GPX, you're counting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, GPX, yes. sort um, of a British team, isn't it? Uh, yes, they, they actually run under the flag of the UAE. Yeah, they um, do. For, uh, I, and I think the, I'm not sure if that car's being run out of Stuart Hall's place or run out. They, they've got also, I believe, a, a French uh, race shop as well. But uh, it, the big story is that this series is so international. 
And, I mean, it varied as well, because, uh, I mean, if you compare it with some other forms of racing where you get GT3 cars, uh, we do get the TCRs. We also get uh, the um, 24-hour specials. Uh, so, yes, we get the Renault RSO1, uh, but we also get the, uh, the Vortex, for example, car number 701, which is uh, down receiving fuel at the moment. Local hero, Frances Gutierrez Agul, is driving that car. Um, pretty sure he's a former winner of the 24 hours of Barcelona you might want to check on that one Andrew uh, that's the vortex then number 701 um, we also have um, having its first race as part of the 24h series uh, the Ligier uh, which was a car which you remember again if you were following the um, Portimao 24 hours, did some demonstration laps, run by Nordschleifer Racing. It's an SP4 class car, um, and the Ligier JS2R uh, runs in the one-make series for Ligier GS, JS2s, and is... I don't know that the deal has actually been done yet, but uh, certainly I don't think there's any secret in the fact that they're trying to get a deal together to run the Ligier as part of the support race to the ELMS next year. Um, and the, in the All Ligier Championship. In the Ligier Championship, yes. Which is basically just like LMP2, just without the one Delara. <laughs> um, no. Um, <laughs> they're, and they're very different cars. I mean, nice cars to look at, the Ligier. Um, they're not quite as quick as I'd like them to be. I'm not sure we need another one-make series, though, well, do we? No, and that's why I like having them here, because the Creventic series is so open. Uh, and it gives them an opportunity with the way that Creventic like to balance things, to uh, run in proper endurance races uh, and add some variety. So uh, more power to the elbow of uh, Ligier's running in Creventic, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Guillaume Roman was the driver who drove the car at Portimao, uh, and there is a team of French drivers. Um, whether the car has been out yet here, not quite sure. Uh, 526, yes, it has. Sebastian Poisson. Uh, at the wheel at the moment. 2 minutes 3.329 is its fastest time uh, and it is 37th overall. Just under 20 minutes to go. Klaus Backler has brought the Herbert Motorsport Porsche 93 into the pit lane. Alexander Prince is out in the Hoffer Racing Mercedes. It's the number 10 car, that's second. Car collection. Audi, so Porsche, Mercedes, Audi, the top three separated by just on a second around this Formula One circuit of 2.893 miles. Not a long circuit as far as Formula One tracks go, but uh, reasonably interesting in terms of setup because you've got a couple of compromises. You've got the big, long, fast straight, you've got a couple of faster corners, although not enough for some people. There's rather too many second gear corners. Uh, it's not the flowing circuit, how they run Formula One round here, I've no, doubt, no idea, no wonder they don't get any decent racing round here, but for GT racing it actually works quite well, there's a lot of stops and gives you an opportunity to overtake. Yes, it is the Formula One configuration of the circuit. That we're now, using, yeah. I remember you were commenting... Was it two or even three years ago, John, when you... I, re I remember you took, you took me round in a road car um, and complained desperately about the final sequence of corners. The, uh, um, the RACC chicane, as it's called, turns 13, 14 and 15. Yes. Um, which, 
I there is a Nagy, I think, was Nagy, the word. very Nagy. Yes. The, there is an option to run from 13, which is in the sort of amphitheatre area, uh, on a much more curving run. And there's a there's another chicane that's further up, further away from the final corner as well. And I really don't understand why, for these cars, we can't run that other length. It would make it a much nicer run, and it would make the final corner 16. The, the sweeping left-hander, uh, yeah, right-hand, excuse me, um, it would make it a more interesting corner for GT cars because at the moment you're just accelerating through that and pretty much everybody's going flat through it. Code 60, it's Code by the 60 way. again, although uh, it says Code 60 on our screen, but there is not a car going past me at 60 kilometres an hour and three have just gone through at full speed. Um, and looking down to where the uh, flags would be held out... Um, Ah, now they're being uh, observed. I'm not quite sure whether we have a full complement of marshals on posts today because there aren't very many uh, flags around. So I think most of the Code 60 information is going through uh, radio communication rather than the normal flag. And no sooner has it gone to Code 60, it's actually gone back to green. So not quite sure what that was all about um, because the screen is telling us now it's green. Um, but as I say, we don't seem to have as many flag marshals around the place as we would normally. Okay, well, I'm down in car collection now, and a surprise face here that we didn't expect to see is the former Sebring 12 Hours winner. It's just a bit of a Pierre Kappa, great to see you. We didn't see you on the entry list, so it's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks to be back. Uh, it was a last minute call, I think. Uh, for me, I, I know this uh, since Wednesday, so. It's not, uh, it's not a surprise that I haven't been on the entry list. So what are we going to do this weekend then? Watch the Grand Prix? <laughs> Watch the Grand Prix. We concentrate on our 88 car and that's right to help our customer from car collection. Come forward a bit. Oh, we got a bit of a break up on the mic. So, uh, my question was, actually, what were you going to do this weekend if you hadn't have been here? Ah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, probably I would watch the Grand Prix, yes. But uh, anyway, I will watch it. <laughs> how, how is the Audi R8? You enjoy driving? You, you're used to these cars. Yeah, I always enjoy to drive uh, to drive our Audi R8 GT3. Um, and it's always nice to be here back in Preventing Series. Um, and Barcelona, it's nice weather. So what can be better? It's a nice, relaxed race series, this, isn't it? Yes, it is, and I like the atmosphere here, and I like I like um, to drive with with the amateurs and help and to support and uh, bring a little bit of our passion of our spirit a bit closer to everyone. Now, looking back at your long career, I suppose your best win was winning Sebring outright, wasn't it? Oh well, uh, Sebring was one of my best wins, but uh, a very sweet one was this year with the Audi R8 at Nürburgring, the 24-hour race, because it was always for me a dream to win my, my home race. I was a couple of times very close to it, um, and this time it was uh, it happened, and uh, so Nürburgring 2019 will be a special one for me. Excellent. Congratulations on that. Thanks very much for your time. Peter Catherine yeah. always been a good guy, hasn't he? He has. Yes, great, uh, 
I uh, had the opportunity to uh, to meet him last year, two years ago now, possibly, uh, and uh, at a social event. And uh, he, I mean, he grew up at the Nurburgring, uh, watching racing there, and uh, very much a Nurburgring specialist. So I can understand how important it is to him to uh, have a Nurburgring 24-hour race on his CV. He's very good at the Nurburgring. Yeah. I remember seeing him in the old. ELMS days when the American series came to the Nürburgring and it poured down and there was Pierre in a Porsche in those days, a rear engine Porsche 911, uh, driving around the outside of prototype cars in the pouring rain and just getting his laps back. Now of course that was only on the Grand Prix circuit and then in the early days of me driving the Nürburgring um, with Aston, um, the Pierre was there helping out and showing people around and he was really useful for me. There was Chris Porrett who was brave enough to sit in the car with me while I drove around uh, and Pierre who gave me a lot of good advice uh, about it. He, he, I always remember saying, yeah, I see on test days like this one, they've only got 16, 20 cars out of there. This will be the fewest cars you ever see out there and you will be able to drive more committed than we would be doing in the race. I've seen the way those guys race and I'm never <laughs> going to be anywhere near what they are. No, smashing bloke, always love talking to him, wise head in any paddock. I still think of him as one of the, the young lads, of course, but he's been around a, a very long time now. Partly involved with the uh, original Audi R8 process as well, of course. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, just one thing I, I keep on meaning to say, and I'll probably mention this a few times, uh, later on during the weekend as well. Uh, we talk about A6 class cars, and what are A6 class cars? A6 Pro, A6M. Um, I understand, and it's officially been um, said, uh, from next year, Creventic is gonna get rid of the A6 class. Um, no, it's not, it's just gonna call it GT3. Um, so the, the class itself, A6, will disappear, but like everywhere else, it will become GT3 Pro and GT3 Am. Um, oh, that's a good idea. Which, you know, to my mind, is, is, is very sensible and uh, calls it what it is. Well, I'm trying to get hold of Sven Muller here, he's just got out of the car, the Herbert Motorsport car, but at the back of the garage I know that the mic doesn't work so well. I'm just trying to get his eye, so just bear with me. You might know. Sven's just having a swig of water, hydrating, and he's coming to me now. Sven, thanks very much for coming. The mic doesn't work back there. Um, Herbert Motorcar's going pretty well, I think, and you were a, a bit of a late entry in this car. Yes, I mean, I'm really happy to join my old um, GD Masters team, Herbert Motorsport. Um, was really last call. They called me on Monday. Um, Fredel Renauer has to do like Super Cup organization, so he's really busy. All of these guys, these bros are really busy, so they asked me to drive, and uh, yeah, of course. It's always a pleasure to drive 24 hours, especially here in, in Barcelona. It's really one of my favorite tracks. So, yeah, looking forward. Because last year, the last success with Robert in GT Masters. Uh, last year was, was my, my colleague from, uh, from GT Master, from Porsche, won championship. I was driving two years ago with them. So we also had a, one victory. Yeah, it's like a great team, a nice atmosphere. So it's really a pleasure to drive. It's still a sort of family team. We walk in here. There's just a couple of benches and a few, a few computers. There's not of the, uh, of the aggressive of the PC professional PC, but this team is so engineering. Yeah, exactly. They do it really with passion. Um, 
everywhere they drive, they're really successful. So that means uh, they're really talented, good drivers doing engineering and driving. Uh, it's not easy stuff, but uh, they manage really good. So yeah, let's keep uh, the finger crossed that we're going to have a, a nice weekend, have fun. This is the first priority and yeah, have a good race. Excellent. Thanks very much for your time, Sven. Catch up with you later. Sorry, I know the mic was breaking up. A no, it's all right. Yeah. No, so, we got the gist. Guy, yeah. We got the gist, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, down under 10 minutes of this session and KTM Crossbow number 217 from True Racing in the gravel at, I think that's just coming out turn of turn three and four. Yes, uh, four into five, I think. It was just on the exit of turn five. Uh, sorry, just on the exit of turn four going into five, yeah. Gerald Kiska was the driver at the time. Uh, who is the man behind KTM? Uh, and the crossbow. He's the designer from memory. Uh, if I've got that wrong, uh, give us a tweet at RSL underscore studio. I'm trying, just trying to get the chip fired back up uh, into uh, Creventic Hancock 24 hours uh, mode from five different race meetings last weekend that she and I uh, covered. Andrew on KTM? Yeah, Gerald Kiska uh, has got a separate company actually called Kiska Design. So he's not actually the K of KTM, if you're with me. But he's been with them almost from yes. the beginning of the company and has designed a lot of their hugely successful off-road motorbikes as well. Right. So he's a very talented guy and he, he enjoys his racing. And, uh, it, that is effectively the, the KTM factory team. Of course, remember, in the early days with the crossbow, Peter Cox doing a lot of work and also, of course, writer engineering. So uh, I think writer engineering, as we heard from Naomi Ship, they are still behind the running of this this Austrian team. With, uh, of course, two of uh, Hans Duck's uh, sons in uh, one of the cars. Yeah, and uh, Gerard has run in the KTM Cup as well. He was actually the, that was the very very entertaining support race at Mugello, which we looked after on uh, in sound and vision. And I've had a good look at these cars. And uh, the GT4 in particular is very interesting with that clamshell uh, top to it that sort of pops off like the old bomb bug, pushes forward, doesn't quite tilt up quite as much. And I'm, I'm, I'm still hankering after a, a go in one of those. They look a lot of fun. Uh, really interesting proposition with all that carbon. I, I do like a bit of black, black uh, carbon fibre, Paul. Uh, yeah, just on those cars running as SPX class yes. uh, this weekend. They have run as uh, GT4s in the past um, and um, no, they're either as GT4s or SPXs but they're running as SPX class this weekend which gives them 1100 kilos uh, of weight um, and for the last time in Europe uh, they also have to then run as part of the dynamic BOP which means that their refueling amount gets changed as the race goes on if they go uh, a little bit too quickly so the amount of fuel that they get assigned actually reduces the faster they go um, so it's a kind of self-leveling uh, BOP although in other changes to what's happening in Creventic next year that's going to be done away with next year the whole idea of changing the amount of fuel that's allowed during the race uh, getting a little bit too complicated um, and not for a great deal of benefit I don't think so uh, they're getting rid of dynamic BOP for next year within the Creventic series. Uh, John uh, you told the story about the uh, 
cockpit canopy coming up just mm. like a bomb bug. I know lots about bomb bugs. You've rolled a bomb bug, haven't you? I have indeed, but they were nearly all orange except a few that were white. Uh, I wasn't the only person to uh, roll a bomb bug. Actually, it didn't roll. It just went on its side in front of a doll queue. It's a story to be told over dinner, I think. But um, at the, I went to the actual launch, which was at uh, a stately home, and a guy called Stuart Marshall, who was the assistant motoring editor of The Times, he was the first person out in the car in the front of all the assembled press. He did exactly what I did, uh, actually, on the launch. Us having earlier been to... Uh, a description of the car where they said, well, it's, it's really remarkably stable, although it's only got three wheels. <laughs> it was quite... Yeah. Laugh? I almost cried. Smashing little engine, which was a, a, yes. a reliant, a reliant own little... I think it was... Was it an 875 or something for, like that? Four-cylinder? Yeah. Aluminium, all aluminium Yes, engine. lovely. Lovely. I, I once... Uh, I drove the car in 1970... And at the time, I, I was just go, about to go back to Motor News, but I was actually still running the March Formula 3 team, and I broke my records, uh, Snetterton to London in the bomb bug. I, I did race... Uh, I, I, well, we'll do more three-wheelers over the week. <laughs> over the weekend, I once raced a, a Reliant Robin on an, in an indoor oval Can race. Can we stop talking about bomb bugs and Reliant Robins, please, uh, and talk we, about we, GT3 we, cars? We, well, <laughs> we, well, it's a GT3. It's only got three wheels. <laughs> Um, I've, just, I've just seen the Barwell Lamborghini. Uh, Andrew, I thought you told us we weren't going to see it today, um, but it's just gone out. So what well, fuel that's what Mark Lemmer told me. Ah, ah, what does he know? Yeah, he's been, he know? They must have got it. They must have found the problem quicker than they thought. Cause so he thought they were going to have to pull the fuel tank out of it and well, uh, everything. Well, Leo Mckitsky has just gone through and done the opening lap for that car uh, in this free practice session with five minutes, less than five minutes of it now remaining. Um, so good news for Barwell. That who did got the, the car out there? Who did the 48 4 Eight nine in uh, Kaz Butler. He's Kaz the only Butler. he's the only driver who's driven the number ninety three car today. I, I, I uh, yes, and now na that car nine tenths nearly. Let's call it a second ahead of Hoffer Racing on a forty nine four three five. So that is, to me, that's a second difference a, between a that one. Higher time. Right. So we'll see if we can get a word with Klaus at the end of the session, which is only four minutes away. Remember that uh, from after this session, we'll be live in sound and vision go to www.radio-show.co.uk and you will see the uh, 24 hour series Barcelona link on the front page that will take you to the page that has the archive of all the audio on it and that will appear through the weekend and we'll also have the video player on there as well with the RSL uh, commentary from here at Trackside that's on RS1 if you want to listen Live over on RS3 all this weekend, Johnny Palmer heads up the WEC team uh, from the first round of the 2019-20 FIA World Endurance Championship season, uh, which also includes Porsche Carrera Cup GB and the uh, anti-penultimate round, I think, of the uh, ELMS uh, for this year, because they still are doing their season this, what is, I suppose, in motor racing terms, the, the normal way. Yes, absolutely. That's over on RS3, every session uh, live uh, on RS3. Paul, last couple of minutes. Yeah, Leo McKitsey uh, comes up on the screen as Leonid, Mr. McKitsey, um, on the, our screen here. 1 minute 50.990, so uh, a very reasonable time there for the Barwell car. Uh, just a quick mention of TCR, or 
the TCE division, because it yes, is a race, point. and we yes. haven't mentioned it yet. Yes. Um, the Autorama Motorsport VW Golf is quickest, courtesy of Benjamin Leuchter, uh, who's done a one-minute... 58.353 uh, to lead that class. Second is the AC Motorsport Audi, car number 188, at the time of 158.611. Uh, and then third is the GT4. Oh no, that's a. Uh, um, is it third is the Cupra number 131 of the top car with Baz Kooten. Uh, except that, as I was in the middle of that sentence, the Munkoff BMW went a tad quicker and has done a 1 minute 59.677 to be third in the division. Never fails, eh, Paul? Well, the best number to have on your car on any given weekend is the number one, and that's the situation for Nico Verdonk driving the Aston Martin and going for the GT4 championship. Now, how has this season been? Because on paper, it's been a podium every single weekend. Correct, indeed. Uh, it's been very positive beginning of the season. Uh, other than Portima, we've been indeed every time on the podium. So uh, uh, the team, the car, also drivers have done a really uh, uh, terrific job to uh, to bring it every time home in one piece. Uh, except Portima, there we had a, a few technical issues which uh, stopped us from from continuing that uh, um, rhythm. But uh, you know, it's not over yet the fat lady sings right uh, so we have to carry on uh, working we are here now at Barcelona which is the, yeah, the final round of uh, the European Championship but uh, it's not over yet we obviously we are second uh, we have to finish ahead of the uh, number 50 uh, well in advance and then we have to see how they do it but you know it's a long warm race um, many things can happen I think there are about uh, 47 cars on track so um, you know, uh, Barcelona is uh, pretty intense. We have a long straight, but all the rest is pretty intense. So, you know, car and driver are working constantly. Um, so, but, you know, I'm confident we have a partnership now for this weekend with Virage. So, uh, it's uh, so far everything's going well. Everybody's turning their laps and getting in a good rhythm. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest. How are the track conditions when you were out there earlier? Uh, well, it's definitely one of the warmest. Uh, times of, of the day right now um, but it's Barcelona is really well known for for you know the long right hand corners to you have to look after your tires so that's something which we've been monitoring throughout the day and will continue to do so um, but at the moment we are managing that pretty well but uh, yeah luckily the Aston has a, a very good AC in the car so we're making good use of that Love to hear it. And I'm sure you want to let all your competitors know just how cool it is inside the Aston. Good luck this weekend and good luck in qualifying. Thanks. Also, also nice to hear from Nico Verdonk, another one of the good guys. Checking flags out just down to our left, down about four stories, I suppose, uh, from where we are. Cracking viewing. I really wish I'd brought my binoculars because I know how much of this place I can see with the binos. There's only a couple of corners, really, that you can't sort of out, out of the first corner through that chicane uh, and through that long sweeper at three. Then we pick them up at the top of the hill as they're heading to Repsol at four. The downhill badly cambered or off-cambered turn five. Um, mistake inducing, I think that's called nowadays, isn't it? All good stuff. Then the reappear over the top at nine, which is also a tricky corner as well. Got to get your turning absolutely spot on there. And then we see them in the braking area all the way down to uh, turn 10, which is the 
Kaya Bank turn. Little short shift. Kaisha, is it? Right, okay. Into that uh, big spectator area. Well, it is a, uh, in some ways, a bit like Dubai, quite compact circuit. Um, it uh, doesn't take you long to walk around the outside perimeter um, because it kind of curls in and wiggles around upon itself. Um, point picking up on what Nico Verdonk was saying, though, talking to Shay Adam a moment ago, this, uh, and we will be uh, talking about this further, uh, this is the uh, deciding round of the European series yes. for the 24H series, both in TCE, uh, the Touring Car Division, and the GT Division. They've got a further round as far as the Championship of the Continents is concerned is going to be um, renamed next year but I've forgotten how they're going to rename it um, so I, th I think it's the um, something like the international series and the European series um, for next year so a change in uh, the nomenclature for next year but uh, we do have at the end uh, of this year what's it going to be um, it's in this article somewhere. I'll find it later. Uh, but it is the final round of the uh, uh, Touring Car and GT Europe Championship. So uh, there are going to be trophies up for grabs. And a party. And a party. Um, yeah, <laughs> which we're looking forward to. If there wasn't a party. Absolutely right. Let's have some final thoughts from down in the pit lane. Andrew Marriott. Yeah, just uh, seeing the 91 car uh, being pushed back into the garage. I have been looking for Klaus Backler because we hope to get a quote from him. He's been so quick in that session, but he's hidden away in some motorhome somewhere, but I'm sure we'll catch him later. 91, so, uh, 91 um, being the... Thanks, Andrew. 91 being the uh, team car, the Herbeth Motorsport number uh, 91, the 911, that's the Alleman, Ralph Bourne, uh, Robert Runner and Sven Muller, who we heard from earlier on. It is the 93 Herbeth Porsche on top from Hoffer Racing's number 10 Mercedes. Then Tim Muller in the car collection, number 89, or at least that car, uh, in third position. Class leaders, Daniel Alleman uh, and the 91 car uh, in A6 Pro. Those top three, by the way, also A6 Arm. Wachenspiegel team, Monschau, Ferrari uh, is... Uh, uh, where, where's that down? That's down a little bit, down in A6 Pro. That's in fifth position. Uh, Frederick Angsel is leading the way in 99. One cup for Porsche Laureate Racing in the number 911. Uh, the next one I can see is Speedlover uh, and the Porsche number 978 in the 991 class. How can we have two leaders? Ah, no, sorry, that's driver ID I'm looking at there. Ah, right, I see. Could do with that being the other way around. SP3 is Munkoff Racing with the M4 GTR BMW number 310. That's that class leader. SPX is the Vortex V8. Uh, the 701 car, and on my first page, Nordschleifer Racing's Leisure GS2R is, is the only car in that, that class. That SP4 class, yeah, that's the, that interesting car okay. we talked about earlier on. Right, that's uh, effectively our little free practice as well, uh, here in audio only on RS1. We'll continue, of course, for the whole of the rest of the weekend here from Barcelona on RS1, but we'll add pictures to it as well. Uh, via our colleagues at Nullsweisweis 1, uh, putting together the pictures for you. And that next session will be live uh, from Barcelona with Shea Adam 
and Andrew Marriott in the pit lane, Paul Trustwell and me, John Hindhoff. Uh, Rob has been twiddling the knobs back in London for this session whilst he was also looking after Silverstone, which continues over on RS3, exclusive live coverage of the first round of the 2019-20 FIA World Endurance Championship. Uh, the ELMS are there, as are Porsche Carrera Cup. GB. I think we've got Kerry on later on this afternoon looking after us, but for the moment it's uh, time for a late lunch I think, and a bit of a production meeting. Uh, join us back at Barcelona later on today. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com